The Start On Demand. On demand. Private liquor sales. Could alcohol go the way of cannabis in Manitoba? We'll speak to the MGEU to get their reaction on the latest rounds of talk of adding more private alcohol sales. And of course, we'll get your reaction. Putting off repairs, chores, projects. Why do we do this? Why do we let things sit for weeks, months, even years? And the average woman has 38 of these. What is it? I'm Brett McGarry, alongside Greg Mackling and Loren McNabb. We are Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb. And this is the Thursday, October 8th podcast for The Start. As God is my witness, I saw the thing. It's unbelievable. I shall never forget that scream as long as I live. Flies on its way. Watch out for it. It's far beyond anything your mind could ever conceive. <laughs> and if you ever hear the word fly, I think there's something that pops into your head almost immediately, right? Yeah. I don't think I'm alone in this. No, absolutely not. Hang on, let me just turn this back up so we can hear it because you can almost barely hear it. It's so tiny. That was heard last night, Loren, on the uh, vice presidential debate, was it not? <laughs> it felt like it was. It was probably the most interesting point of the debate. I think we all uh, sat down or, or to tune in and watch. And it was tame in theory compared to the presidential debate. The moderator tried to keep both Harris and Pence to their times. Pence frequently went over. There was lots of re- interruptions. Both failed to really answer the questions. But none of that mattered once that fly landed <laughs> on Mike Pence's head. Because then, of course, everyone on Twitter and social media it basically derailed people from listening. I think BBC timed it. It was on his head for about two minutes. Oh, wow. Then two minutes, create- three seconds to be exact. <laughs> and then <laughs> and then people created Twitter accounts for the fly and made <laughs> jokes about it. USA Today is reporting that fly swatter sales have jokingly maybe gone up. Um, <laughs> Merriam-Webster, the, the dictionary, said that fly, the word fly, was trending for the first time. And so someone even said, you know, an SNL when it does that skits on Saturday. Jeff, is it Jeff Goldblum? Jeff Goldblum. He should come in and play uh, the fly to land on fake Mike Pence's head in SNL. It just derailed everything, and it was perhaps the most interesting point. And also, tell me if you were watching and you sat there for the first 30 seconds and said, is that on my TV or is that a fly (laughs) on Mike Pence's head? Well, I think Jeff Braun and Brett McGarry have a theory that everything is better with a little bit of Jeff Goldblum. Oh, absolutely, yes. If anybody who has Disney Plus should check out his documentary series, I think it's called something like The World According to Jeff Goldblum or whatever, but he is maybe the mo- one of the most interesting actors out there just with his delivery. Family Guy even did a skit where it was Jeff Goldblum wafers, and uh, but the, the cookie talked to you while you were eating it. <laughs> so it, it was like Jeff Goldblum wafers, where you get tasty wafers and scintillating conversation. So, yeah, they, they got to bring him in to do the fly. Maybe he, too, could say this. Help me. Please help me. 
sidebar, that version of the fly was way grosser than the original. So his version? Yeah. Oh yes. Yeah. Yeah. The original is fantastic though. Yeah. So that was fun. Uh, yeah, and I, I, I think that what I enjoyed the most was just how excited you were about the fly, Loren. Is it because you of your 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 hate hate relationship? with flies in general <laughs> it might have been but here's what happened i said to you guys i'm gonna sit down and watch the first six minutes of this debate i'm sure that's all i've got in me i made it to 20 and then right before the boys went to bed we husband and i got derailed by some van halen songs and we were playing them eruption on youtube so we could show them how good van halen was so we well completely done. lost track of the debate but then they went to bed and i said i should sit down and try to just see how it's working you know how the moderator's doing lots of questions about whether or not the whole debate scheme needs to improve but then the fly landed and I was like, well, here's two hours of my life that come down to the fly. So, <laughs> <laughs> so let yeah. us know if you watch the debate, 204-780-6868. What did you think of the debate? And did you enjoy the dramatics with the fly? I thought Susan Page, by the way, the moderator from USA Today was outstanding. I thought she did a terrific job. She certainly had, you know, it's funny, it wouldn't have been as challenging as it would have been to moderate. Uh, U.S. President Donald Trump and his constant interruptions and no, no. talking. Uh, there is there is something that keeps coming back in these debates, whether they're Canadian or U.S. or whatever, is that you know nobody really answers the question. Oh. I'd argue ninety percent of the time that was and on so full display last night. It, it was very um, on both sides. You know, I'd argue it was a bit more with Mike Pence, but and there were times when she'd start a next question, Susan, and ask him the a next question. He said, "Thank you for that question. I'm going to go back and answer, yes. <laughs> like a, you know, re- do a rebuttal to what Harris just said." And so that to me is the frustrating part. But that's like it's so is it so cynical to say that's just politics that that's the way that goes. It's all about pointing fingers at the other guy, and never answering the question. Well, what would you do i i find that frustrating that's yeah. why i don't watch any of those things because it's all they're all the same they are all the same and i was listening to uh this morning people talking about debate strategy and the idea is is actually implanted in you it is drilled into you if you don't have a chance to answer the question that you want to answer answer it anyway <laughs> it doesn't matter what the question was that's part of debate strategy for these people so uh yeah, that's not changing anytime soon, I'm afraid. Now the question, is it time for the province to get out of the liquor business, at least partially? That question has been asked repeatedly over the past few years. This year, way back in March, in fact, the Premier said his government would look at expanding private sector involvement. But where are we with that? Here's what Brian Pallister had to say yesterday. Premiers have acknowledged to me in discussion that we developed the best distribution system for when cannabis was legalized in the country. And what we did there was we took the best of the private sector and we took the best of the public sector and we combined them. And I think this is a model that could be useful when it comes to alcohol, too. We're, you know, I guess we're reminded more than ever in the midst of COVID of how important it is to be, well, not to not to consume alcohol. I didn't mean to make that link, but to to be able to get things close to home and not have to travel around unnecessarily, not be exposed to too much extra risk. And if we can if we can give people better choice and a competitive price on a liquor product, on an alcohol product, then that's a good thing, and that's that's where we need to be looking. 
So that's the argument he's been making actually for a while now, guys. We know that. What we don't know is where are we on this move to potentially privatize or at least offer more private options for liquor sales. We know the provincial law, it currently caps the number of private wine stores across the province at eight. So you're only allowed to have a maximum of eight. And then there's, of course, limits on the kind of province products the private beer vendors can sell. So there's all these rules and limitations. And so we know that they've been talking about some sort of role or increasing role for the private sector. But what would that look like? And when would that happen are some of the questions we have this morning. And then getting back to that whole idea of competitive pricing, I think that's what gets people excited. They think that if we, we have more private options, we'll have cheaper alcohol. And I'm not sure that's the case based on the, my own travels across the country, where other provinces like Alberta, for example, have private sales. Obviously, when you go to the States, it's way cheaper, but that's not the model we're talking about. Well, that's and a taxation so, issue. That, exactly. That's all about taxes. And so I think that's what people think. They feel like the private option is going to give them more, more pennies in their pocket. And I don't know if that's true. Well, I know I lived in Alberta when uh, the wave of privatization started and there's a liquor and wine store on and it's not. It just feels like it's on every corner. And some of the the locations are very nice uh, if they're run by the larger supermarkets. Costco's got a liquor store. Co-op stores have liquor stores. But some of them are not very nice locations. In Winnipeg, we have beautiful provincially run liquor stores we have gorgeous wine boutiques some of the grocery stores now have liquor boutiques attached to them in the city of winnipeg i think we're very well served with this mix this hybrid model i have zero complaints when i go to a manitoba liquor mart i think the staff is very helpful the locations their physical locations are absolutely beautiful they are well well maintained they're well laid out and how much lower do the would the prices have to go? What percentage would they have to go for it to actually have an impact on your on your bottom line in terms of your personal expenses? How much money are you spending on alcohol that uh, you know a twenty percent drop even in prices? How much money does that actually put in your pocket at the end of the day? Here's a text message at 204-780-6868 from someone who says, I travel across Western Canada weekly as part of my job. I am a wine drinker, and I have never seen cheaper wine than what I've seen in Manitoba. In some cases, I've seen prices double of what they are in Manitoba. That from John, and I remember I had a friend visiting from Quebec. I can't remember what he said about pricing, but he was... Uh, mystified by the, I don't know what the uh, the official term is, but I, I think I've heard people call it a magnum. You know, those big bottles of <laughs> magnum, wine? Sure. It's like, what is it, one and a half liters or something? I or, believe that's correct. Uh, he's, he'd never seen that, so he thought that was pretty cool. And Greg, I would all, I would agree as well. The, the liquor marts, uh, they're really nice stores, and there are a lot of them in the city of Winnipeg. You don't really have to go that far to, to find either liquor or a beer vendor, right? Rurally, though, there's a different equation there. So sure. there might be some room for... Like, there is definitely room for some changes. It's just that when if you're making the argument that this could be about offering more competitive prices, I would need to see that proof. Like, show me where that's happened, if that's what we're talking about, because I think that's what gets people excited. And then secondary, there's been a question raised by a listener about if it becomes available in grocery stores, it would need to be under lock and key. We've had this huge theft problem 
in the province. And the liquor stores, because of their size and their ability to uh, put the money back into the stores for their security, have been able to get a control over that theft situation. I don't know if you could do that if you were a convenience store or a mom and pop shop also offering wine and, and, and beer. Greg and I just have a quick bone to pick. What's it about, Greg? Well, I was listening to the news and, uh, well, we're going to play a six second clip from the premier. Is, is the premier suggesting that the customer service is poor at liquor marts? Well, I guess I have to kind of press the uh, clip here, don't I, Brett? <laughs> Boy, the six second thing has turned into a 12 second thing. <laughs> Government. Delivery by itself hasn't always been famously associated with customer service. I'll just put it that way. Well, liquor isn't delivered exclusively by the public sector in Manitoba. And I can say this quite confidently. I cannot ever recall experiencing bad service at a liquor mart. I always get great customer service at the liquor store. And many times they've gone way above and beyond just if I'm in there looking for a specific bottle of wine or something. And I had one guy at the, it was the Ness store, the Madison Square store. And he said, oh, you know what? Let me check the other stores. If you, if you got 30 seconds, I'll, I'll look. first I'll check the back. Oh, no, we don't have any in the back. Okay, let me just check the inventory. And he gave me three other locations uh, nearby that actually had some in stock. He didn't have to do that. He could have just said, ah, we don't have any, sorry, and moved on. Um, they're always super friendly, willing to help, especially with wine. Like if I go in looking, uh, and they, they can usually tell too, right? They, when you're standing there and you got the bottle in your hand and you're looking at the shelf, they can tell like this guy has no idea what he's buying. So there's, they'll say, what, are you, what do you need or what are you looking for? I'm like, uh, I want to buy some cabs, Cabernet, but I don't know. Because uh, I don't drink it. And they'll say, oh, this is a good one. This is a good one. And this is my favorite right here. I'm like, okay, good. So, yeah, that co- when, I, when I heard that comment, I thought, yeah, what, what is he talking about? I'm actually surprised at the knowledge that some of these folks have. Because you go into a lot of places and you ask. You could go to a lot of stores. And I'm not just talking liquor stores. like And, and ask, well, what's your favorite? Or what would you suggest? And half, you know, staff in lots of places, it could be clothing or it could be a restaurant. And they'll just go, oh. No, it's all good or whatever you think and and i do feel like the folks at the mlcc will be like well actually this is my favorite tequila or scotch or whatever it is that you're looking for and here's why and so that's appreciative i think his comments is is almost more in a bigger general sense and a feeling that somehow the public sector is not serving us well period and therefore customer service that everything from our liquor stores maybe mpi to hydro is is lagging because it's public sector somehow and i just i don't know if that's a fair characterization at all Putting off repairs, putting off chores, putting off projects. Loren, what happened in Casa del McNabb this week? Well, first, here here's the uh, real truth about what's been going on the past six months here. My husband's been excellent. He's done so many things in the house and yard because we're home more. So garden boxes were built. A gazebo was built. The deck was stained and finished. The yards look better than it ever has. But right before the pandemic hit, our aging and old hot tub kicked the can. And it sat there empty. We jokingly called it our outdoor storage unit for the entire summer because it was unusable. And then out of nowhere, Sunday, there my husband is out in the yard with it turned over and he's under it and ripping things out and doing what he can to try to put it all back together. And I was like, seven months in, now, now we're doing this. And so it got me thinking about why we put 
certain things off. Like we're willing to jump in and do all sorts of things, but there's always that one item that's on your list that you look at and think, I'm not interested in doing this right now. And I can't figure out why. And so we wanted to ask listeners about projects that they put off for a long, long time, maybe because you don't know how to do it. You can't find the people to do it. You might not have the money to do it. Or like me, I have a really hard time just making decisions. Like I'm staring at this blank wall in my basement we've had for 10 years where I've been promising for 10 years to buy an entertainment unit, guys. The TV sits on the wall, but then all the other attachments are on top of a 20-year-old speaker that's only there to hold the other attachments (laughs) because I haven't purchased an entertainment unit. And I look daily. Like, I'm online almost every day being like, well, that's a good one. And every day, (laughs) husband will say, yeah, that sounds good. Pull the trigger. And I don't. So why is that? (laughs) Oh, that is I should take a picture of this. It's disgusting. (laughs) Mackling. Okay, so we got Jeff Braun here, Kelly Moore at Forte, but Mackling, you must have one. I'm just sitting here listening to Loren and just thanking goodness that uh, we aren't married because I just can't imagine shopping for something for that long and not, as you say, pulling the trigger. Like, just do it. Uh, that that's something I don't have a problem with. Unfortunately, I do not have a problem buying furniture. I love to buy furniture, but I too have. Well, a then hot pick tub. something out for me. Okay, I'll do that. <laughs> I do have a hot tub in my backyard that is void of water right now and needs to be fixed. But uh, let me tell you this: I think uh, your hubby's uh, timing is perfect. You don't need a hot tub in the summer. It's you need true. it in the winter. So this is. Excellent timing, and I'm wondering if he's available for hire because I would gladly pay him to do whatever needs to be done to get my hot tub done in time for November. So I have a hot tub on my list as well. Loren has sent a picture, by the way, Greg. Um, Loren is... (laughs) Oh, this is just... Well, here's the thing. I started this off talking about all the things that people put off. Oh, that's worse than I imagined. It's terrible, but, but... What happens is that we all do it, right? Like you might look to your partner or spouse or girlfriend or mom or dad and say, why haven't you taken care of that yet? And you know they can turn around and be, excuse me, entertainment unit with 7,000 wires sticking out of it? Like, it's not like we don't all procrastinate. Well, let's go around the horn here. Kelly Moore, what have you put off? Oh, man, I'll tell you. Uh, Thank you, Loren, for taking me off the hook. Um, (laughs) Although... Uh, my wife has been after me to get our snowblower fixed for the last five years. <laughs> I did work on it. I have gone on Google. I've seen all the DIY, you know, how to get your snowblower ready for uh, uh, the winter and that sort of thing. And then every winter comes along, we get our big uh, snowfall. And I just said, oh, you know what? I need the exercise. I'll just shovel the driveway. And she just bangs her head against the wall. <laughs> you have the technology, Kelly. Use it. Do you yeah, need a truck? You know what? Do you need she, a hand? Well, you Do you want what? to take and, and, it to the repair shop? I will help you. You're not. You she, don't live that far from yeah. me. I know. You know what? And and the thing is, G Mac, I went down to a repair shop, talked to them about having it fixed. She even arranged for a truck this year to come and take it to said shop and yet there it still sits in my Okay, you shed. only have yourself to blame. I'm not feeling sorry for you. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is no doubt about that. Jeff Braun. My dishwasher broke about seven years ago 
and it still sits in my kitchen broken. Uh, there's <laughs> another dishwasher that works in my storage unit that's also been there for seven years, what? but I've never swapped them. Yeah. Come you have on. two dishwashers? You... by myself. Oh. <laughs> well, and the storage unit's outside, so I don't think that thing works anymore either. It was used when I got it for free. So, uh, so I've just been, uh, I thought to myself, you know what? I don't use that many dishes. I can just wash them by hand every day. I'm like a one plate, one cup, one fork kind of guy. It's pretty plain and simple. So uh, I've got it's ta- it's just it's taking up all this space and I'm not using it. And so I don't know. I, I, sh- I, f- I always feel like, why don't I just get that dishwasher fixed? It's sitting right there. But now I don't even notice it anymore. It's just it's just uh, you could I'll give it to you if you want it for an entertainment unit. <laughs> you know what? That would probably it's better be higher. I could store things in it. You drill could hide a few wires, holes. yeah, yes. inside of it. Yeah, that that I'm, sounds I'm, like I'm a great semi idea. Semi, you know what? I'll take you can you can bring me both the snowblower and the dishwasher. It'll be sort of like a uh, art piece slash entertainment <laughs> unit in the basement. Jeff Forte. Uh, a few years ago, my parents went on vacation. I was supposed to cut the grass. Well, I put it off, and uh, this is when I was working till seven p.m. at night. And so they're coming home. Uh, later on that week so i had to cut the grass after work before it got dark and it took me two nights to do it because it just got dark way too early i put it off i could have done it on the weekend but nah i was too lazy yeah well sometimes it's just fun to procrastinate and also sometimes it never underestimate the uh the galvanizing motivational force of a deadline right anybody who yeah. i mean we and we certainly in our business uh, can all relate to that because when the deadline is approaching, you just have to do it. You got to get her done, and that's what you were up against, Jeff Forte. So, what we need from you at 204 780 6868 is to text us the stuff that you have put off, whether it's a repair job or maybe a project. Like, I've got a, I've been in my apartment since September of last year, and I haven't, I think I've put one thing on the walls. I've got stuff sitting in my bedroom that's been there for that was gifted to me in September 2019 to put up on the wall. Still haven't done it. Why? I don't know. I'm, am I that lazy? Am I that lazy? Yes, no, I think I am. You're not lazy. You just need some motivation. I'm lazy. Seven months after the Premier announced his government would look at ways to enhance the role the private sector is playing in liquor sales, Brian Pallister is once again pushing the idea that could be coming sooner rather than later. If we can give people better choice and a competitive price on a liquor product, on an alcohol product, then that's a good thing and that's that's where we need to be looking. So we still don't know what that enhanced role could look like, although we've talked about it quite often on this program. We don't know when any possible change is coming, just that the talk of change has been coming for quite some time. And we know as a result, that's raising a lot of questions about whether more private sales in liquor would actually lead to lower prices. And there's questions about the impact any possible change could have on our current liquor stores. Michelle Goronsky is the president of the Manitoba Government and General Employees Union. They represent most of the staff in these stores, and she joins us now. Good morning, Michelle. Good morning, everyone. So we've heard this talk before, that there's a better model out there, and we know your union actually went and ran some commercials this summer trying to get out the point that you feel the current system is already doing an excellent job. Is there not room for a bit of both here? Because it looks like this might be the way we're going. 
Well, you know, to me, this is ridiculous. It's, e- it's even being hinted at or being brought up again. Uh, we know uh, from years of, you know, this discussion going on, and what we have in Manitoba is the most social responsible service that is out there. The, the, and uh, we have the safest now, especially now with the controlled entrances. Um, the people are carted before they enter in. So we know that we don't have minors buying. We know that, you know, the, the, that uh, people, you know, that, that we know that the age of the folks that are actually buying. And we also, our folks at MBLL, they provide the best customer service. So to even, you know, start discussing it or start hinting at it again to me is just ridiculous. All the profits used from the sales of liquor in Manitoba through our public, you know, the public services, uh, the system, and it provides the public services we rely on. This provides our schools, our health care, our hospitals, our roads. And at a time when we're in the middle of a pandemic where the premier keeps talking about the millions and billions it's going to cost us to get over COVID, why would we even think of having any of the profits from this go into the private pockets? Uh, in 2019, 2020 alone, MBLL provided a revenue of almost $284 million to the province already. $284 million. Think of the monies that benefit, that, you know, that this benefits all Manitobans for the services that we, we rely on and that are provided for us. Again, our schools, our health care, hospitals, PCHs, our roads. You know, there's always a place for private enterprise, but I'm, it, it is not here. It is not where Manitobans would end up losing more. We've seen in other provinces how this, you know, what has happened and how the people of the other provinces have lost, what they've lost out of this. And once you do this, there's no going back. So, you know, we need to make sure that all of our liquor, the liquor is being sold through MBLL, it is controlled, and it is socially responsible. And that is a responsibility of the government, and they must maintain it. Michelle, I don't want to get derailed uh, on the customer service question because I think that's a big part of something that we heard just six seconds of from the Premier. We're going to play that from you in a minute. But when when you suggest that other provinces have seen what they've lost, I'd be curious to see that because in Saskatchewan, Alberta, and British Columbia, uh, the, the province still controls and sets the wholesale price for alcohol, do they not? Uh, they might, yes. But where do the profits go is my question. Okay. When the profits here in Manitoba are going for services for Manitobans, that is the responsible way to make sure that all Manitobans benefit from the sale of the liquor. Uh, I, guess, I guess I just like to see some math that, that uh, shows what the difference is before privatization or a combination of privatization versus an all-government-run s- system. Because this morning, Brett Loren and I, all three of us, and many of our listeners are extolling the virtues of the staff of the physical stores that uh, Manitoba Liquor Marts uh, run. Uh, it's a pleasurable experience for everyone, but the privates do a wonderful job as well. They do fill a niche for a lot of people, and they are specialized. A lot of them are specialized wine shops, etc., that do fill a hole. But we do want to play this this premier uh, comment from the premier. Uh, depending on how you hear them, you might be taking a shot at customer service. Here's the clip. Government delivery by itself hasn't always been famously associated with customer service. I'll just put it that way. Does that feel like a shot at uh, the service that your workers provide? Absolutely. 
I don't understand where that would come from. I would challenge our premier to go into any liquor store in Manitoba, any MBLL liquor store, and let me know where there isn't good customer service or the best customer service he could get. And I know this from folks that have come from other provinces across Canada, people that have come up from the States, and they have said to me, wow, walking into your liquor stores, it's a pleasure. It is a shopping experience. It, you know, it is so well done, and especially now that management's gone out of their way to ensure that there is safety in the stores, that we've got the controlled entrances. We know that miners are not able to buy liquor that way. And, you know, how is the private sector going to be able to offer that up? And we already have, like you say, we've got the private wine stores that's already there. Those options are already there for Manitobans. At a time when this government and our premier keeps talking about how we need to make sure that our economy is growing, we need to make sure that there are services there, and he's promised those services to Manitobans. He's promised the people to be able to provide them. How are you going to take any of the $284 million out of that uh, account and still ensure that we have those services, that we have the best customer service that is there, and that we've got the best social, safest, responsible way to serve alcohol in our province. Michelle Garonsky, President of the Manitoba Government and General Employees Union, joining us live on 680 CJOB. Michelle, thank you very much for your time. Thank you. Have a great and safe day, everyone. Stay safe. Wear those masks. Here's what I need from when we go forward with this conversation we've had a number of different groups study privatization of sales over the past 10 15 years on the different provinces who's doing it right in some people's opinion who's doing it wrong so where would the money go does the money still stay in government if a, if a convenience store sells the liquor some of the taxes still come back to the government would they not well and the, and, the, and as far as i know in every situation the government uh, liquor commission, for lack of a better terminology, in every prom- province is the wholesaler of the alcohol. Whether it's sold at a restaurant, whether it is sold at a Manitoba liquor mart, or at one of the terrific private wine shops in our city, it's the province that controls the flow, it controls the wholesale price. And controls and inspects who who's selling it, making sure they're doing it properly. Uh, there aren't a, a ton of government-owned restaurants in our city, in our province. Uh, but I'll tell you, they serve an awful lot of alcohol. They generate an awful lot of revenue for the province. And they serve it responsibly. It's inherent upon them to serve it responsibly. So I'm always tired of the either or conversation. I think that's sometimes where this ends up getting. We're moving forward with this if, as far as Pallister is concerned and as far as his comments are concerned. It's come up over and over again. So at some point, this is happening if they get their way. Therefore, I need to see some math. I need to see some evidence. This makes sense. And I also, again, on the pricing, I think that's what Manitobans are fixated on. We're going to have more choices and, and lower prices. It's, I don't know if that's true. It's so not going to be Happy Harry's pricing. Show me the proof before we move forward with this. Right. We're giving away a $100 gift card for Enigma Escapes to try one of their six spooky rooms this month. And here is a trivia question as the lines are jammed at 204-780-6868. If you are an average woman, you have 38... What? You have 38 of these. What are we talking about? Bill, do you know the answer? Uh, me? Yeah. Uh, 
probably personalities. <laughs> oh, Whoa. boy. Ooh. Loren, do you care to comment? I'm not with words I can use on radio. <laughs> Bill, that is not the answer. But you may have... He nope. almost said it. <laughs> and you'll see in the, in the answer. Uh, is it Lana? Yeah. Hi, hi, Lana. If you're an average woman, you have 38 what? Pairs of shoes. No. And how many pairs of shoes do you have, Loren? Oh, I would be at least 38, I'm sure. Yeah. Uh, Dustin. More. Dustin, do you know what it is? No, I was going with personalities. I'm sorry. Oh, okay. No, <laughs> that is not the answer. <laughs> See, I thought, Brett, you were about to say, oh, he's got a good point, and that's why I found out that nope, nope, we're not even going there, Brett. <laughs> no. No, that's not it. Uh, although I almost kind of wanted to go down that road just to see what would happen. Chuck, do you know the answer? Uh, how about uh, shirts? No. Nope. No. Uh, but solid guess. Barb, if you're an average woman, you have 38 what? Uh, moods. Moods, no. Wouldn't that be similar to personalities? Yeah, I was going to say earrings, but then you said... The guy was close when you said per- when he said personalities. So, well, and again, I, it, it's the, what I, I chose my words carefully. There, he almost said it. What oh. came out? Of, so, we'll see if that's a hint. It's the, based on it, the sound of what he said. Gary, do you know what it is? Well, I'm going to say uh, X's. <laughs> X's. Wow. Uh, <laughs> the mile high pile of disregards. No, I'm in many of those piles. Debbie, do you know what it is? It's a purse. Purses. Purses? Purse. No, but again, we are getting very close. Elsie, do you know what it is? Waste. Say that again? Waste. Uh, no. I don't know. I'm sorry. I don't know what she was saying. Greg, do you know what else she was saying? No, I just know it's not the right answer. <laughs> Evelyn, do you know what it is? Purses? No, it is not purses. It is not personalities. But, again, the sound of those words and the word itself is in the right ballpark. Bill, do you know what it is? Uh, shades of lipstick. No. No. If you're an average woman, you have 38 what? I will say it has to do with the purse. Veronica, do you know what it is? Personal friends. No. Uh, uh, let's go with, uh, is this Halibut Gregory? Hi. Hi. What's your name? Barbara. And what's the answer? Shoes. No. We're, we're getting cold again. Sydney, do you know what it is? Yes, is it pantyhose? No. Uh, and I'm not trying to be rude or short, but we're running out of time. Carol, do you know what it is? No, it has to do with the purse. That's as close as I can get to without giving it away. If you're an average woman, you have 38 what? Carolyn, do you know what it is? Wallets? No. Uh, what's, hi, what's your name? Dallas? No. Uh, hi, what's your name? Hello? Hi. Hi, what's your name? Ron. Ron, do you know the answer? Perfume? No. Who changes? Uh, Lana, do you know what it is? Mood changes. No. Hi, do you know what it is? Yes, it's it's credit cards. No. 38 credit cards. 30, we need to have a talk. If you're an average woman, you have 38 what? It has to do with the purse. What is it? Nail polish? No. What is it? Hi, what's your name? What is it? Kevin. Kevin, do you know the answer? Yes, he does. Nail polish. No. Oh. Hi, do you know what it is? 
Hair clips? No! Oh. My God, we're running out of time. <laughs> yeah, what's your name? I'll forget to say it. What's your name? Kate, you lost. Hi, what's your name? Rob. Rob, do you know the answer? Keys. No! <laughs> uh, <laughs> what's your name? Tim. Tim, do you know the answer? Uh, dollars. No! And we are out of time. I got to try to figure out how to take some calls off the air here. We do need to congratulate Mel, who got the answer. The question was, if you're an average woman, you have 38 what? And we got guesses like personalities, moods, shoes, keys, purses. The answer and the very first clue I gave, because the first answer we got was personalities. And I said, he almost said it. It's things in your purse. Loren, do you have 38 things in your purse? Some days, yeah. yes. I What happens is that it depends on the purse. And I have one purse that's basically just a sack. And so the things that end up in it, I don't even remember putting them in. It's like stuff rolls into it all on its own. <laughs> just kind of like a magnet. And it just harvests garbage, fishy crackers, <laughs> random keys. Never has any money. Like I never have any money in it. And then uh, sometimes pieces of already chewed gum, which is my favorite. <laughs> It's just pre-chewed, pre previously yes. enjoyed warming it gum. Up. <laughs> warming it up for me. Yes. <laughs> and just a quick comment on the cloud cover. It's funny how that happens where the forecast calls for sunshine and it's cloudy. Like yesterday, I looked at the radar and you can switch the radar to, from precipitation to just the cloud cover. Okay. Because I was wondering, like, when is when are these clouds going away? And there were no clouds on the radar. There was like a little wisp of a cloud that was way west of where I was. Mm. So for what? But there I was covered in clouds. They just they apparated out of nowhere. I just do not know uh, enough about how those weather radar stations work. Uh, just you know, the best weather report, as good as ours are here is to look out the window yep. and to stick your head out the window. Yeah. That's the best one. I always love, Loren, do you do this to your uh, better half? Um, do I need a jacket today? Well, I have I, to be... I, I, ha I haven't left the house yet. I have yeah, the but... same amount of information as you have to this point. Um, I don't, <laughs> don't know if you're going to need a jacket. I <laughs> never, you... ever respond that way, but that's how I'd like to respond. Don't you find there's just people, if you're in a relationship, it kind of gets back to the chore conversation we had earlier and things that we put off. And it's like we decide that there's things in our relationships that I'm just not doing. Like I'm leaving that for the, for my partner. And so the same goes with weather. My husband just, he's really into it. And so I assume at uh. any given time in the day, he's way more into it than I am. I could listen to you guys do the weather report for four hours, and I often do. And we'll still walk upstairs and be like, I wonder what it's like outside today. Because I have, I'm just not retaining the information. Well, so that, my assumption is that he knows. That, well, I, and that's something that I, can, I confess as I've worked here 16 years, and I'll read the forecast. Like when I used to work those weekend shifts, I'd read the forecast a dozen times in six hours, and then I'd walk out, and someone would say, what's the weather tomorrow? And I'd say, I don't know. <laughs> Let me look it up on my phone. I'll but, give you an idea. But it is very much a guy thing, I think, in general. Like when you, you said you, you turned to your husband, I, like almost every guy I know is obsessed with the weather for some reason, largely because of the stuff we want to probably want to do outside, Good whether point. it's going golfing or going fishing or you got to do yard work or just general, like, I want to know what, when it, oh, it's going to rain at 1.40 p.m. I guess I better 
not sit on, not get up off my couch then? I don't know. Well, we have one guy in our group of friends, and he is the go-to guy on the weather. Like, if you really want to know exactly what's going to happen and when, you just text Steve, and he'll tell you exactly what's going on because of what he does for a living, and he studied weather at university, etc. So uh, he, he knows his stuff. But, Loren, I'm going to take this then as a compliment that Jackie asked me yeah. about what she should wear and whether or not she's going to be cold. She's trusting me. She's She's suggesting uh, to a certain extent that I'm in the know. Yes, but I would ask you to then monitor how often she asks you and you do know the answer and she ignores what you're saying anyway, because I do also do that. Like, oh, it's going to rain today. Oh, I think I'll put a dress and sandals on anyway. I feel like, eh. I mean, I hear you. I hear what you're saying. I so do what you're see saying? there's clouds outside, but I, I'm going to go with the dress. So we would categorize you as a passive listener versus an active listener. Is this what we're getting at? Well, you know, in some circumstances, yes. <laughs> selective. Selective. You're laying out a case for me. I see, I see all the facts before me. Mm-hmm. Doesn't mean I'm going to listen. Okay. So the question of the day <laughs> at CJOB.com has to do with alcohol. It's brought to you by Mr. Furnace, by the way. Don't call them first. You'll see why. Call Mr. Furnace, 204-832-6243. And the question that is at cjob.com, which we've also thrown up on Twitter and a variation of it on our 680CJOB Instagram story. Would you like to see liquor sold privately in Manitoba? 39% say yes completely. Just under 31% say no. It's fine the way it is. And 30% say a combination of the two. So we've got ourselves a bit of a horse race on that one. That's the result at cjob.com. Uh, I'll just pull up the Twitter results. But Greg, in the meantime, you've harvested a selection of te- we, we actually got an avalanche of texts. We on this. did. And I apologize if we don't uh, read yours on the air. We got, we got a lot of them. A lot of them are good. And they are on uh, both sides of this conversation as the votes and the question of the day reflect. Uh, This isn't a cut and dried circumstance for people. Uh, Rob says this, good morning about the liquor debate on whether or not to privatize. I could care less whether it was private or government run. Show me the savings with lower alcohol prices like other jurisdictions have out west. Private uh, sales, for example, in Alberta, 10% cheaper than here in Manitoba, not including the taxes. So let the government keep the alcohol profits. Give me lower prices. But that's our question. How much of that profit would the government then get, right? I mean, we know taxes will go to to the government, but then on that set price, do we are we losing revenue uh, into the government, government coffers? That was certainly the point from the MGEU that they'd be concerned about the fewer dollars going into the province, not just tax dollars, but just dollars overall. And so that's one of the questions we still don't, I think, Greg, have a clear answer to. No, we don't have any numbers. We don't haven't seen any charts or, or graphs or anything. But we did have the discussion about the idea that across the West, and I think it's this way across Canada, but for sure across the West, the idea of who owns the distribution network and yes. the wholesale price. And it was my belief and has been that it's the government in Manitoba, Saskatchewan and Alberta, along with British Columbia, even though that they have a, maybe a, a more wide open market, so to speak, in terms of privatization. Uh, that those wholesale markets and the wholesale price is dictated by the government, that government holding. And we got a text message that went through that quite in a detailed fashion, Loren. 
Yeah, so the, is this the text number three here? That's no, right, local, yes. Yeah, so from local liquor rep, he says he does business in the public-private blend in Saskatchewan. So there's a public-private blend in Saskatchewan, which potentially could be a model that we're using here. And he writes, the government still makes their money as the wholesaler, as Greg said. Then Sobeys, Costco, Superstore, or other stores get their products and add the retail markup. Besides Costco, which has the best price, the private options are always way more expensive, they write, than the SLGA, which is the Saskatchewan Liquor Authority. But they do have a nicer shopping experience and service. In Manitoba, they write, the MBLL has good service, if you can find it. They have really reduced staff over the past 10 years to save money. And the only reason, in their opinion, to add a private option is money for the province to increase points of distribution. So it would have nothing to do with service at the liquor marts, but points of distribution. That's a pretty uh, well laid out text. Yeah, so the profit centers, the places where you can purchase it to make it easier and which uh, might indirectly end up, you might end up selling more alcohol overall because there are more places to get it. Susan texting, my only problem with private sales of liquor is what are the salaries going to look like? We know the employees at the liquor marts, uh, their salaries are reasonably good, certainly higher than minimum wage, but private companies, not necessarily more than minimum. I'm just so tired of a living wage being denied to people. And uh, indeed, that's what I've heard, that it's a, you know, a good job. And I think that's some of the criticisms as well. Do we really need a well-paid job for, for someone to sell alcohol to somebody? But they're... Their skills are specialized like any other skilled job, as far as I'm concerned, with the knowledge base that many of those employees have. They take all kinds of courses, you know, because like, the the liquor marts will offer, or they, I guess, they used to. I don't know if they still, they if they're currently offering those courses. Yeah, probably on pause due to COVID, right? As are some of their their customer service practices have changed and altered dramatically during COVID. But yeah, they had that that little like little classroom at the uh, the Madison Square location where you could sign up for seminars, be it on wine or rum or tequila. They they had when I learned they had a rum one, I thought, oh, they, like there's more to this than just pouring it into my Coke. <laughs> I should go. I want to learn. Sure. Uh, and I think they they take all those courses if. I could be wrong on that. but Maybe not all of them, but certainly some do. And I guess uh, Susan's point as well, Loren and Brett, I'd love for you guys both to weigh in on this. What, why, you know, Manitoba, we're obsessed with price. We know that. It's part of the culture, so to speak. But also part of the culture sometimes is, is do we genuinely dislike when other people yes. make a decent living at doing things, A, that they're good at or, or things that we seem to enjoy? Yes, and I think... Like, you know, there are two sides or seven sides to us, depending on where you're sitting. For sure, people seem to get really bothered by that. And it predominantly exists in that hatred towards the public sector because there's this perception that those jobs are higher paying and that they get more perks and all the rest. And therefore, we get mad about that. I would argue, why don't you want to have decent paying jobs for more of your Manitobans and your fellow men and kind because that then allows those people to have, as Susan puts it, a decent living wage so that they can then also put money back into the economy. On the other hand, there's those that say, well, well, that's my tax dollars. I'd rather my tax dollars go towards something else than paying those those salaries. But it feels to me like there's this constant push and pull between the public and private here, perhaps more so than anywhere else I've lived in Canada. Mackling, McGarry, and McNabb, it is time to select our winner of the Santa Lucia large two-topping pizza based on your text messages on the 
repairs that you put off, the can that you just kicked down the road, the projects that you have not dealt with. And we got some great stories like Uliana. This is something I can relate to from Uliana. Uliana says, we have been living in our house for six years. Six years. And our basement is full of boxes we mm-hmm. haven't unpacked yet. Mm-hmm. And that's me because I moved into my place last September and I just found, I just shoved all the boxes into as much closet space as I could with the intention of one day going through them because there are useful items hiding somewhere in those boxes. Have I gone back to them? No, I have not. I just go home and I sit on my chaise and I watch Supernatural on the CW. That's back tonight, by the way. And uh, I eat Santa Lucia pizza. So that's my life. And that's why I haven't unpacked Sounds yet. Sounds actually quite delightful. <laughs> it is It is delightful. That's why put, I don't do you anything. You put like a blanket over those boxes, turn it into a table. <laughs> and you, and I can put up all the electronics with all the wires. <laughs> that's what I do. <laughs> boxes and old appliances turn into a, st- a TV stand. So. Greg, why don't you read the runner-up and Loren, you read the winner. All right, I'm going to scroll down here to the runner-up. This is pretty good. Projects I put off a few years ago, I put off clearing off a small ice dam on the roof. Well, a small ice dam became an unmanageable ice dam, and I had to pay big dollars to have it steamed off. I learned my lesson about putting off small tasks. Mm, Jody feels opposite. She learned her lesson by doing the task. She writes... I thought I'd sort my kids' Lego sets during the pandemic lockdown. After working at this for a week, my living room floor was a multicolored nightmare of sharp plastic bricks. <laughs> Worst decision I ever made. My advice, grab a big bin and throw it all in. Jody Lee from Stonewall, you are our winner, and I hear you, man. Hey, thanks for listening to The Start Podcast. We are available on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, wherever you find your favorite podcasts. Subscribe now and never miss an episode. And if you like what you hear, rate the show, tell us what you think, and hey, even tell a friend about the podcast. Be sure to follow us on Twitter and Instagram. Greg is at GMACWPG. That's G-M-A-C-K-W-P-G. I am at Brett McGarry, B-R-E-T-T-M-E-G-A-R-R-Y. And Loren on Twitter is at McNab on Global and on Instagram at McNab on C-J-O-B. Talk soon.